Love Your Bod Pod. I'm your host. I'm Kara Corinne Sofeli. I'm a certified health coach and I help people heal their relationships with food and their bodies. And this podcast is all about diet culture, fat phobia, the beauty myth. And my goal is for all of you listening to have an easy, peaceful relationship with food and to feel comfortable and confident in your skin and to rebel against these oppressive dominant narratives in our society that make us feel like we're not good enough and that we're not worthy. And for those of you that are new, welcome. Hi. For those of you that are returning, welcome back. So glad to have you. If you didn't know, I have a cookbook out called Vegan Buddha Bowls. It's a cookbook filled with a ton of easy, delicious, tasty, yummy vegan eats. If you're a fan of vegan food, I totally recommend that you check it out. You can find it online, perhaps at your local bookstore, Barnes & Noble, Target, Amazon, anywhere books are sold. Hopefully you can find it. Today we have a special guest with us. His name is Joey Safeli. He is my cousin. He is a competitive diver. He he dived for the national team and went to the Olympic trials. And he's also someone who struggles a lot with disordered eating. And I wanted to have him come on to talk about his experience, not only from the male perspective, but he's also gay. And I wanted him to come on and talk about disordered eating and the pressures to look a certain way and the fat phobia and the lookism that's rampant in some parts of the LGBTQ community. I had done some research and was looking into the statistics of that po- of that population that is that group of people that is struggling with eating disorders and it's actually really high and it it makes a lot of sense. You know, if you're struggling with your sexuality and you're struggling with feeling comfortable with that and you live in a world that tells you that there's a a right way to be and a wrong way to be or that a certain type of sexuality is normal and another type is not normal, how that could lead to eating disorders and body dissatisfaction and trying to find control in something outside of yourself if you're feeling really out of control with something inside of yourself like your sexuality. And so I wanted to have him come on to talk about it. I want to provide some trigger warnings though. I just want to give you guys a heads up. There are some, there's some talk of calorie counts and macro counts. There is a little bit of healthism type of language, some like wellness culture, diet culture language. And Joey speaks very candidly about his own relationship with food and his body and some of the behaviors that he engaged in and what things were like. So just trigger warning for anyone who is currently in the middle of a struggle and who might find this type of languaging triggering. I just want to give you a heads up so that you can be aware that there is that. And we talk about some things in the gay community that might be triggering and we've talked about some of the different insults and things that he's received and so I just want to let you guys know that there is some of that language woven into the conversation. Some of the things that we talk about are finding worth in things outside of yourself. We talk about feeling good about yourself for being clean eating or the one who's you know eating the salad when everyone's eating the pasta We talk about finding our worth in other external things like our grades or how many people like us on Instagram. And we talk a lot about trying to control our body to control people's perspectives or perception of us. Overall, it's an incredible podcast. Joey brings a lot of insight and wisdom to the conversation. He brings a different perspective and he also shares with me a lot about the LGBTQ, particularly the gay community that I wasn't aware of. And there's a lot more diet culture in that community than I really knew. And there's also a lot of diet culture, disordered eating and eating disorders in high performing athletes in competitive sports. So again, I mentioned Joey was on the national team. He was a competitive diver. He's still a diver. And there was a lot of disordered eating in his environment in that industry so if you're an athlete you might really relate to his story about wanting to do whatever you can do to be the best 
performer, the, the best athlete. We talk a lot about orthorexia as well. So, okay, just giving you a little intro. Joey's an amazing person, an incredible human being. Absolutely love and adore him and so grateful that he is a part of my family. And I hope that you get a lot out of this episode and getting to hear the story of someone else's experience struggling with diet culture and their sexuality and what they look like and food. Welcome back to the Love Your Bod Pod. Today we have an awesome guest with us. His name is Joey. He is my cousin. Welcome to the show, Joey. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for having me, Kara. Lovely to see your face during this during the Corona times. <laughs> I know. We had a lovely catch up for quite a while before we hit record. I wanted to have you on the podcast today because I wanted to talk about the LGBTQ community and their relationships with food and their bodies. You're gay. And you and I have had conversations just in passing when we're hanging out together about how there's so much pressure to look a certain way in the gay community. And after doing some research, I realized that it's like very prevalent in the LGBTQ community. The rates of eating disorders are incredibly high. Um, And I read the statistic that only 5% of the American population is are gay men, yet they account for 42% of the men who are diagnosed with eating disorders. So it's very prevalent. Um, Now, before we dive further into all of that, why don't you just tell us about yourself, your like growing up, your relationship with food, your body, coming out, your sexuality, and just let us get to know you a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So um, if you, I mean, if you look at me now you might not believe it but growing up i was you know i'm the youngest of four boys um you know my my older brothers and all my older brothers were like pretty rail thin growing up they were always i was bigger than my brother Vinny growing up who was the one right above me um and so my whole life i kind of growing up my brother brothers would kind of give me crap for being a little bit chunkier or like you know, I wore husky jeans instead of the small jeans that my brothers wore. Um, and so my kind of desire to be thin or desire to like kind of fit that mold started before I can even remember, you know, and I never knew anything about food. You know, I remember when I was probably in second grade that my best friend, John was this big and he would only eat one hot dog. So I would only eat one hot dog because I was like self-conscious about it already at the age of like seven or eight, you know? Um, And then like moving forward with life, you know, once I kind of grew out of my baby fat, once I was a little bit taller, I was, I was a leaner guy kind of naturally, I guess. Um, And I didn't really think much about it. You know, I always struggled with my sexuality. I, I never really thought about what I was eating while I was in high school until I got into college and um, you know my I, I was a I was a competitive springboard diver my starting in high school up until I still am actually so I had dietitians in college you know our goal was to be in the best shape possible always we would get DEXA scans that you know would report our fat percentage versus our muscle percentage um, you know, we would see our progress constantly. And I, I, I wanted to be the best diver in the world, you know, so I would do what I was told. I was a very black or white kind of guy, like, just tell me how it is. Um, and I was lucky to always have dietitians that always push balance, you know, a lot of them, um, because in, in the sport of diving too, eating disorders are, or disordered eating in general, I would say in, in athletics is a common thing um, amongst, you know, I would say women and LGBTQ community more so than men, but I don't want to discount any, any guys out there that also feel similar to I do, similar as I do. Um, but yeah, so I mean, once, once I kind of started meeting with a dietitian and I was told, okay, look, this is what you can eat to, to be in the best shape possible, you know, cut out those like fat, fatty meats. Um, I was never told to limit carbs. I was never, ever, ever told to limit carbs, but I knew based off of what you see on the internet, based off of what you see people read, I mean, see people saying, I knew that if I 
cut out bread, if I cut out, you know, chips, if I cut out certain like fries, if I didn't eat anything like that, then I would lose weight. And I would, I tracked my food. I counted my calories. I looked at macros, not knowing anything about macros, you know, not knowing that like healthy fats are good for me, not knowing that I should be eating, um, you know, that I should be eating certain carbs and I should be eating certain things for general body function and general brain function. You know, I just, I, I, I didn't educate myself in a way that was beneficial to my mental health. I just kind of found control in it. You know, I was, I was struggling with my sexuality all through college. I didn't come out until my senior year. Um, and it was another area of control that I could find. And I remember breaking down to my coach on the pool deck one time and being like, look, like it was after a really rough competition. I, I didn't perform well at all. And I was like, Adam, I haven't eaten anything wrong. I get the perfect amount of sleep, you know? And like, I'm like, what's wrong? Like, what am I doing wrong? And he was like, well, maybe you're obsessing a little bit too much over this. Like maybe you can have, I mean, you can have that slice of pizza. You can have that slice of cake. I mean, before Olympic trials in 2016, I, my birthday is June 12th and the Olympic trials were June 16th to the 21st or something. And I remember my teammate brought me cupcakes and I didn't eat one. I was like, I have Olympic trials next week. I'm not even, I'm, I'm sorry, but like, absolutely not. As, as if it would like really, really affect, you know, my performance in a week. But I was so mental about like being in the best shape possible. I was running extra on top of the 30 hours of exercise that we did a week. You know, I was running to the pool, running back from the pool because, I mean, I started to notice my abs. Like I started to notice how like, lean and muscular I could look so I was like obsessed with this idea of keeping it you know then it became like okay like you have this body now let's keep it so then it was whenever I would eat something that I knew was contributing that anything that might might not make me lean I was like anxious about I would feel guilty about I would feel as though I had to skip breakfast the next day or um you know, so it was just a very, very unhealthy relationship with food. And I always kept, I always ate enough to fuel my body so that I could perform. And so that's why, like, I always say it was just a very disordered relationship with food because I was still under the impression that I wanted to be the best diver in the world, you know, so I was still eating enough, but it would be, you know, non-fat Greek yogurt, no sugar, no sugar added, little fruit because of the sugar and fruit little bit of granola because of how carby granola is and like there's honey and granola so there's you know it was, it was too mental about everything I wasn't happy I was the least happy I probably ever was uh, while I was in college you know and major things were happening for me I was on the national team I got to travel internationally and compete um, and a lot of it was that control point you know once once I came out and kind of accepted myself for being gay and I found like that love for myself which took a while you know I, like I, I know we just talked about this but I um you know I would I would look in the mirror every single day and I would tell myself like you know I'm a Cefali I am I am gay because this is what my brother Robbie said to I was like I'm a Cefali I am gay and I love myself you know so whenever I would have those thoughts I would just say something like that and it would you know those self-affirmations like really really helped pick me up I think in general, it's an, it's an ongoing, constant kind of, like sometimes I, I find myself having similar thoughts as to when I was like too health obsessed. And isn't, there's a word for that, right? What, what is the? Orthorexia is an obsession. Orthorexia. It's an obsession with clean and pure eating. And the obsession uh, is unhealthy because it interferes with the quality of your life and your mental health. And you get scared about fruit, anxious, Completely. Yeah. And I was getting anxious. I mean, I realized I was getting anxious about like things that are even healthy, you know, things that I just like deemed unhealthy because of the macronutrients, because there was a little bit of sugar in them. Not really knowing like, you know, our body needs all of this to function, like our mental health and our, you know, our gut health, how much that affects our, our, our mental health. And so um, like the older I've gotten and the more I've been able to educate myself on this type of on, on how to fuel my body properly has allowed me a lot more freedom in 
in my own mental, I mean, in my own anxiety and all that. Um, you know, teach us, teach us what that, that food is doing. And for me, that was good for me because I, I like knowing, like, you know, I like knowing that I need carbs because part of me for a while, like demonized them as opposed to thinking, seeing something and being like, okay, if I don't, I'm hurting myself more, you know, like if I, if I am anxious and I'm cutting things out of my life because I want to be a certain way and it's based off of what everybody else thinks, you know, as opposed to me just accepting my own life and my body and telling myself I'm perfect just the way I am, you know? Um, I mean, it took a long time to get there, but like it, for me, that, that's what I love about, you know, understanding what food does to our body, you know, and then also seeing the joy that I get in food. Like we were raised in an, a big Italian family and then my other side is Mexican and Cuban. So growing up, my whole life was revolved around food. It was, you know, but it was always joy. And, you know, it was those conversations that you have over like a glass of wine and, and a meal. And for a while, I cut that stuff out. You know, I would go to these family parties and I would not, I would eat, you know, grilled chicken breast and some of the salad. I wouldn't eat half the foods because I was like anxious about it. I was worried what it would, how it would affect me, not even thinking that it's, it's just like too, it was too, um, I guess I don't know how to put it. It was too confusing or I, I was more confused that like now looking back on it, that I was that controlling over it you know but I mean it's it's still a journey I would say it's been a constant journey being in the gay community is difficult I think that comes with like comparing myself to other people you know I think a lot of it comes from comparing myself to other people and I think you hear comments like straight skinny but gay fat and you think you know I mean we all understand what that means you know we all understand that it's like can you go into it deeper? So I pulled this quote from a, a Slate article and it was from an episode from American Dad and it said, I'm straight thin, but I'm gay fat. I had never heard that before. So for those of us who, who haven't heard that and who don't know what that means, what does that mean? And then I want to ask you some questions about your, your college days. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Basically, it's just the, the gay community, a lot of people in the gay, I don't want to speak for the whole gay community, the gay community that I know, that I've experienced through, you know, my perspective, a lot of people are very fitness obsessed because, you know, looking good and being in the best shape possible is better or whatever, you know what I mean? So, so I know people who are training as like I was, when I was trying to make the Olympic team, you know, just to look as best as they can at the pool parties that we're going, you know, so it's like a, it's just, it's a, it's a lot of stress to put on someone. So like a lot of these people, I know a lot of kids who like do whatever they can to get in the best shape possible. You know what I mean? They'll, they'll cut out carbs for a while or they'll cut out, um, they'll only eat salads because apparently that's what you have to do to be skinny. And like, it's a, fake joyful for some I don't want to say that I guess like, I think it's like people can live in that for a while you know you can live in that kind of cycle of like because if, if you match the mold it works for you you know and if you're able to do it it works for you but I think it it leads to a lot of emptiness when people like equate their value to how they look you know and I guess like I got caught in that for a while because my value and my worth wasn't in myself. My value and my worth was found in diving or it was found in how people liked my Instagram post or it was found in um, how people reacted to me when I was around or in a gay bar and I, I got attention. You know, it was found in that as opposed to me just looking in the mirror and telling myself every morning that I love myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the the pressures to to look good and be quote, desirable by society standards is real. And it's interesting that what I'm picking up on, and I'm curious of your thoughts here, is that the pressure that gay men feel to adhere to the standard resembles perhaps the pressure maybe cisgendered heterosexual women maybe feel to fit to the standard. I would, I would completely agree, actually. I mean, I think like, I think there is a bigger 
I think because of just how society set up in general, women have it the most difficult from the standpoint that, you know, every ad you see, every, uh, I mean, nowadays people are starting to get more like uh, socially accepting, I guess I would say, of, you know, loving your body. But growing up, everything I saw was, you know, teaching us that we were supposed to be rail thin or that that, that or that, that is what beautiful was. You know, we all want to be beautiful in someone's eyes, in our own eyes too. Um, and, but it is similar, I would say. And I, I have had some friends in the diving community even that have had eating disorders and we've had these conversations together where we've talked about like this subconscious, like little conscious thought of like this need that you know oh you ate this like you should you should run a mile or like you have to work it off you know like or if you want to eat this let's make sure we work out before as opposed to just yeah earning or making up for your food yeah as opposed to just like not putting so much thought into enjoying your life and you know not seeing your worth in whether or not it's you know whether or not you stay skinny or you or have a six pack or eight pack, you know? Yeah, this is like disordered eating 101. So what you were describing just now and what you were describing about how things were for you in college, about skipping out on, you'd go to these family functions and you'd just eat the chicken breast and the broccoli and not have the pasta or like the enchiladas or whatever the other side of your family was making and how you'd be so controlled and rigid and feel this anxiety and this guilt when you would eat something, quote, you weren't supposed to eat or eat something that you thought would could potentially lead to you gaining weight. I do want to cycle circle back though to um, when you were in college and you said like before you had come out, you were able to control your food and control your body. This was something that gave you a sense of control when perhaps things felt out of control with your sexuality. And you speak about this in a way that has a lot of wisdom and insight. But I'm curious if at the time you had put that connection together of like, oh, part of my obsession with clean eating and healthy eating is that like, I'm just not accepting of myself and my sexuality. Like, did you make that connection? And if not, when did that connection come? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it was I found, like I said, I found my worth in a lot of other places. So, you know, when I was eating well and when I was like, I remember my coach would use me as like a poster child almost because he would be we would do team dinners out and, you know, I would order the salmon with like, I would, I would always, always eat clean. Like everything I was eating was clean. I never, ever chose to eat um, anything that was, when we would go out, I was always the one that was, and, and you could ask my teammates even, like I was always the one that was trying to eat as best as possible. And so I love that, you know, I love that people saw that in me and that I was healthy and I was like, you know, excited to be that kind of kind of role model but I would look at menus and I would see that the chicken parmesan has 1300 calories and I would be like are you kidding me like absolutely not I'm not gonna eat that when will I ever why would I ever want that you know what I mean like it's 1300 calories and I'm trying to stick at my 2500 calorie goal or whatever it would be you know 3000 calories and it was like it was just like this, this, it was too scientific. It was too, um, you know, too or non-scientific. It wasn't based on education. You know, it wasn't based on anything. It was just based on like this kind of common knowledge that like we should have calorie counts on everything we eat because, you know, that, that matters for whatever reason. So I was really choosing a lot of the meals that I chose. I would choose lower calorie. I would look for lower calorie options. Um, I would look for, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't add a ton of sides to things. Or if there was like a bread basket on the table, I would have to sit uncomfortably and try not to eat the bread or I would eat like five pieces of it, you know, or I would just be like, screw it. I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm just gonna go all in. Like I'm already past the mark, you know, I would like, set those little benchmarks and be like, well, I've already eaten two cookies. Like what's, what's the third one? What's the fourth? You know, it was, and so it was a very just like unbalanced, unhealthy kind of mindset towards that. And when I was, when I was a senior, when I started to come out, I remember sitting with my, um, the sports psychologist, Casey Oynes. She 
we, we talked a ton, you know, we talked all from my freshman year through my senior year about diving, about mental game, all that stuff. And, and I had told her a few times that I like was struggling a little bit with food or that, you know, if I had eaten a ton at night, I would wake up and I would work out and I would go training without eating anything because I thought like, oh, I'm, I ate so much last night that this, this suffices for my, for like half my day tomorrow, you know? Um, not based on anything, solely based on the fact that I didn't want to gain weight. I wanted to stay in the exact same shape I was in. And I remember when I came out to her and like telling her that and just kind of realizing all the different parts of my life that I, you know, cause I'd always tried to control people's perception of me. I never wanted anyone to know I was gay. I never wanted, um, I never wanted people to know that I struggled. I always liked people seeing me in this like happy, and I've always been a pretty happy person. I've always been pretty joyful. So like, I, I always just undermined any struggle that I had and said like, you know what, it's good. Like I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm lucky. My family loves me. Um, I have no issues, but I, I, I remember when I did come out, I answered some questions for people on Instagram and I remember writing like, you know, I, we, I say we, I accepted myself to the point that I was comfortable with. You know what I mean? Like I was really, I was really good at talking about struggles that I had accepted and then other struggles or other things like other subconscious nagging thoughts, I would just push to the side, you know, like I was a vulnerable, accepting person. I knew gratitude. I had people in my life, you know, but I wasn't really realizing how much I was um, shunning like those negative thoughts, you know? And then once I came out and everything kind of snowballed uh, and I, I just looked at the ways in which I was, you know, constantly doing things to control other people's perception of me, I realized that eating was a part of that, you know, like, I mean, eating was easy to control. It was easy to, I mean, as, as weird as it is, it was like being hungry was kind of nice. I mean, it was like a, it was an easy thing to, to know that I could, you know, eat when I wanted to, but also just control my body, being able to control how I looked, being able to control my, my strength and not have to worry about that being something that somebody judged me on was um, easy to hold on to really, really tight until like, you know, those moments where you don't follow what you want, you know, and then you feel guilty and then you feel like anxious about what you ate or you feel ashamed of yourself because you, you know, ate so much that you're uncomfortable. And it's like, a, it's just such a self, it was such a self-defeating cycle for me. You know, it was, it never, it never contributed to my happiness. And so I didn't, I, I didn't realize at all the connection between that like need for control and, you know, being gay and having to accept myself and everything that makes me, you know, everything that, um, that is Joey Cefali, you know, I had to accept all of that, not just try and control all those parts of it, you know? So that was kind of when I realized, I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't put those two things together at all until I came out and started just reflecting and reflecting and reflecting on, you know, even like childhood traumas, even things that I heard when I was a little kid, like that affected, that had a, that had a role in affecting my mindset later on in life. Yeah, well, growing up in the Midwest and, you know, growing up in our Catholic Italian family, and there was just some very traditional ways of seeing the world and traditional ways of yeah. seeing um, sexuality and marriage and what's normal and what's okay and what's not. So I can imagine uh, how some comments could have had an impact on you. And you had said a few things really interesting about how you you really felt this validation and this praise from being like the healthy one or the clean one and that's so incredibly common in our society because we we glamorize and we put like quote clean eating on this pedestal and we're like you're being a good person when you engage in these habits or you are the you're so good you're eating the salad and not the pizza and we gain this validation and this admiration and so we start to collect worth in that. So it was very interesting that you had said that you liked being seen as that person. And then 
the other thing that you had mentioned was how you were trying to control other people's perspectives of you, their, their judgments and their perception. And so often people come to me, my clients were like, I just need to control myself around food. I work with a lot of women who have restrict binge cycles, which was similar to how you were speaking. Like, oh, I already ate a, like five pieces of bread. So whatever. I already had the cookie. So whatever, which is very much yeah, restrict, yeah. restrict binge diet binge. And so many of my clients will be like, I need to learn how to control myself around food. And I actually think that our like control problems around food are so much more about control problems around life. And we try to control our food so that we can control our body and thus we can control other people's opinions of us. So it's like, I'm going to control my food and I'm going to control my body. I'm going to lose weight and all the boys will like me. I'm going to control my food and control my body. And then everybody at work will respect me and I'll get promoted. Or my parents will finally you know, accept me or love me or be proud of me or all the girls will be jealous of me. And we spend so much time trying to control and manipulate ourselves so that we can control other people. It's yeah. like a form of domination of like, we're trying to manipulate ourselves so that we can manipulate other people's perspectives of us. And we don't really fully see it that way. It's a bit of a tough pill to swallow to see it that way because so much of it comes from from insecurity and from trauma and wounding. And I don't think there's like, it's an inherently... You're not trying to be manipulated, manipulative. You're not like trying to control other people, but you're trying to protect yourself from negative judgments. And so I could see how those two things would have been connected for you. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting too, because I like, I had really everything at my fingertips from the standpoint that I mean, we had dietitians and we had weight coaches, we had strength coaches. I just had never viewed it from a certain perspective. You know, some people viewed it because, because of kind of, um, you know, this desire to be in shape, this desire to be attractive that started from, you know, I can remember thinking that when I was seven, seven, you know what I mean? Like, and so I was lucky to have people that were like trying to educate me and teaching me, you know, why movement is good, you know, why we should get our bodies moving. But it wasn't really until I started seeing the kind of scientific reasons behind that you know, like the release of endorphins and you know, certain things that are just good for us to do in the everyday kind of day-to-day -day basis. Like it wasn't until I started seeing that and doing it as more of a self-love or more of a self-care thing, like, you know, treating myself to a really good meal or, and when I say treating myself, like usually when I treat myself now, because healthy food is like a lot more expensive, I'll, I'll, you know, get something that's really nutrient dense or like I'll get something that I know is, is really good for me because I view that as like a self-love kind of thing. You know, I, I know what it's doing inside my body and I, I know when I go work out that I'm, you know, releasing stress. I, I, I've kind of switched my perspectives on those, but for so long it was uh, a control thing. It was a complete, you know, desire to control what everybody thought around me. And I still fall into that. You know, I still have those thoughts of like wanting people around me to like me. It's a, it's a, I mean, it's an ongoing battle. I would say it's just something that we have to constantly kind of um, remind ourselves. And like, for me personally, it's something that I have to, um, well, it's something that I like speaking about and talking to people about because it also helps me understand more of myself and also helps me, you know, move forward knowing that, a lot of other people feel this way and that like it's it's a it's a societal it's a systemic thing that's been almost built into like every ad we see every tv show we watch you know it's you know when there's a fat character like people know it, it's a it's a it's usually called out in the show you know what i mean it's like stuff like that that is makes being thin the norm and being anything else something to read something that stands out you know and so like I think those types of conversations have helped me just kind of figure out more why I do what I do you know what what I want out of my life and like finding my love for myself innately as opposed to searching for it in other areas yeah and I don't think there's anything inherently abnormal about wanting to be accepted about wanting to be loved, about wanting to be treated with respect or wanting to have visibility um, or to be seen or to be appreciated. You know, I don't think that, I think that the, to, to want to be loved and accepted is, is so, so human, so human. Yeah. 
but in our society, we're almost set up to, it's almost set up for us to feel like an outsider and us have to work for acceptance and to work for appreciation and validation. And exactly what you had said, like our world has trained us to believe that it's normal to be thin. And if you're not, you're abnormal. You're the exception. There's something wrong with you. And we treat people like that in many layers of society at the doctor's office with um, institutionalized fat phobia. And you see it in the media all the way down to like our, our family structures and within our family, like you being teased, right? My little brother growing up and he was teased a lot as well. So um, I kind of want to shift gears here and I want to chat about like Instagram and this, the gym culture. So I read this, I did some research for this episode and I learned the term instagaze. It says social media helps to promulgate these images of physical perfection. Instagram users are surely familiar with instagaze, those impossibly gorgeous men who share immaculately staged photos of their impeccable bodies for maximum appreciation. And so I wanted to just hear your perspective on this. And then also perhaps you can talk about some of the things that you mentioned beforehand on like Grindr, the things that you've like seen happen on like Grindr and stuff. I think one thing worth noting and, you know, you can kind of break down the psychology behind this because it's sad to me, honestly, is like, I know a lot of people that um, will edit, edit their bodies in their pictures, you know, they'll make themselves look more ripped or they'll make themselves look thinner um, while their arms look a little bigger. You know, it's, it's like complete, I mean, it's fake, you know, it's, it's, it's telling, it's subconsciously telling yourself that I need to look like this actually to get the likes that I want or to get the comments I want. Um, and it's moving out, moving out here. I have never really realized that people like the extent that people will go to, to kind of have that body so that they can post those pictures or, um, or won't post their body if their body isn't good enough, you know, or we'll, we'll stray away from posting anything with a shirt off if it's not the same as it was two years ago. You know, everybody, some people like try to get back to this point as opposed to just starting where they're at. And the whole, the whole Instagram gay world is, um, like I said, I don't want to speak from anybody else's perspective. I can only speak from mine, but not the patron saint of gays. <laughs> no, not yet. Not yet. Okay. It's, it is centered around like that culture of, uh, you know, I mean, I've had people tell me like, Oh, come on. Like, you know, your followers just want a picture with your shirt off. Like, why are you posting anything else? You know, cause it's, it is really centered around like sexualizing men and like kind of, uh, if you have a good body post it or, it's, it's, it's really centered around gym culture, this idea that we, you know, we should be thin and should have a six pack basically, or you should be strong, you should be tight, you should be um, whatever you are. And then if you're not, you can edit, people edit their pictures so that it looks like it. And like in my head, that kind of, that was actually really confusing for me because I, I have never done anything that was not like a natural form of slimming down or like being in shape you know I've always like lifted and like done exercise to be in shape I've never people I know people that have like laser off you know their their fat and stuff like that which is I don't want to throw anyone under the bus but like it it blows my mind a little bit because it just shows this this obsession without even without even realizing the benefits of exercise it's not like exercising to to be beneficial for your body you know to like strengthen your muscles so that when you're older you don't have the pains that you know a lot of people do like it's exercising solely for the fact that we can look good because of it and then we can post pictures and get more likes and like the whole instagram culture in the gay world is is a culture that's based a lot on comparison you know it is it i know a ton of people that and that that plays into the whole grinder um situation i mean i know a ton of people that will follow people just because they're attractive first of all and then you know, compare themselves to that person or say like, oh, this is my dream man. When in, real, when, re- when in reality, like, who knows if his pictures were edited or not? Who knows what he looks like? And who knows, you know, and who cares, like, in, in my opinion. But 
Grinder is a whole different story from the standpoint that, you know, people hide themselves on it. So people will be flat out about saying like, actually, like you're too fat for me, you know, or like, just sorry, like not looking for that body type. Like people will just ask for a body picture and then they'll turn you down, you know? And I mean, I've been guilty of it. We, I would say most people in the, in the gay community have been guilty of it. Like just like not responding to someone because they're not, they're not look, they're not fitting the mold that you're looking for, but that adds to people's, you know, lack of like self-worth, you know, it, it takes away from how someone views themselves and it kind of tells them like, you're not enough for me, you know, which is, which is why I think it's, I mean, it, the gay community can be really difficult for some people, especially if you don't fit the mold, you know, especially if, if your body type just isn't that body type. And that's a huge thing. I mean, like when, when we would talk about, when I would talk to my coach in diving about um, all of this, I mean, some people naturally are just lean. Some people can, can eat whatever they want and they'll have a lean body type, you know? And then some people are naturally not lean. And like, it's, it makes me sad sometimes to see people like starve themselves or try to get into that lean body type when like, it's just not their body type, you know, because it's like a, it's a never ending battle of telling yourself that like, you're not enough because you don't look a certain way. And um, I think that's pretty prevalent in the gay community. And it's difficult for some people because, you know, if you don't have the hundred thousand followers and you, you know, don't get that type of attention that people want. It's like difficult, I guess, to find that self-worth. You know, a lot of people, I guess, don't have these conversations with, and I had, a, I had a therapist, I had a therapist my entire college. So the insight that I've gained and the self-worth that I've found, I didn't do alone at all, you know, but not everybody has those opportunities. Like not everybody is able to speak up about this stuff. So people just sit in this kind of self-loathing cycle of how am I going to get, how am I going to get that six pack or, or, I'm not going to post these pictures because I look fat and I don't want, you know, people in the gay community don't want to look fat. Like that's like a, or, or a lot of people, especially in the West Hollywood culture, I guess I would say, I don't want to speak for the gay community globally because it's different everywhere, but in the LA West Hollywood um, gay culture, like it's, I know people that get called out all the time or that I know friends that have been crying, you know, that have been upset and in tears because somebody, Told them they were fat or like somebody told them they were not in good enough shape and so it's a pretty brutal culture you know it's a pretty brutal expectation I guess that people put on themselves mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I get comments all the time because as a, as a diver my body had to be lean you know like in order to be the best I was I remember being told that I we got DEXA scans you know and so we had to fall within a certain percentage range to be the best in the world and so I came out here already in good shape. You know, I've, I never had to like, and I've had people tell me that they just like wish they had my body or something like that. And, and I thought that my whole life, you know, I thought that about everyone I was, I would be like, Oh, like he's, he looks way better than me. He's in way better shape than me. I wish I had that body type. You know, I did that my entire life. And then like hearing people say that it like comes full circle and I'm like, wow, like I can't believe I did that to myself. Like I can't believe I put myself through that. Like I can't believe I let myself believe those thoughts just based on something that we didn't even, that's like given to us. Like this is just my body. I don't, I don't know why I ended up in this one. You know what I mean? Like I could easily be a completely different body type. And so that's why it's, it's like kind of crazy to hear, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like it, it gives you some perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it also helps me like tell my friends like, dude, you're beautiful. Like you are like, regardless of what anybody thinks, like you don't need to find your worth in that. You should, your worth is, is unquestionable. You know what I mean? Like your value from the minute you were born was at a hundred percent and it will stay at a hundred percent until you die, you know, stop. And so like for me, realizing that I was finding my worth in that, you know, now I tell friends, I'll be like, it's, it's a, it's a separate, you're, you're talking about two different ballparks here. You know what I mean? Like, don't ever question your worth. That's not, that's not in the question, I guess, in my opinion. You know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I think that we all intellectually know that. And I think we all want to like really, really believe that. And I think that we struggle 
like all of us, I, I feel like so many of us struggle to actually really believe that like we are worthy if we, regardless of what we look like because of the nature of our world and our culture and how we treat people based on what they look like. Like there very much is a hierarchy of bodies and beauty Absolutely. in this society. And so I think we all intellectually know that. And I think it's hard to really feel that like in our body at a cellular emotional level to really get that. It sounds like you're at a place now where you've really gotten that. I'm at a place now where I've really gotten that, but it's hard to get there, you know, and, and we are, are privileged in the sense that we are, we fit more of the standard. And so it might be easier for us than other people to get to this. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's, and I, I've talked to friends about that too. I mean, I, I don't want to sound cocky by any means, but like, I know that I've gotten treated better I've, I've been treated more like I, I remember being in college and hearing someone tell me like oh yeah you can use the bathroom but like I didn't want to tell her because like I don't trust her and it was like clearly based off of looks and clearly had I, I could have been the worst person in the world going up into this this person's room and I could have stolen everything but because you know the girl was attracted to me she was down to let me go upstairs and use the, you know like, it's little things like that that I've realized in my life have such a massive effect on other people. And it, I mean, it, it goes across the boards. I mean, especially in today's world, like privilege and all of that is being shown, you know, people are starting to realize their own privilege. And I think the fat phobic culture that we live in doesn't acknowledge enough how much privilege we have if we're thin, you know, how much, how much easier it is to thin know, privilege. get along. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's completely a thing. I mean, it, because we don't question certain things. I mean, I have a friend Dexter here who's a dancer and he told me when he first started dance and when he was back in Texas, he said they didn't want to let him dance because he was too big. Mm -hmm. They said it was just not his sport, you know, and he mm -hmm. loves to dance. He, dancing is his passion. And so like to tell us, to tell a kid, to tell a little kid that, Hey, I don't think this is your sport because you're too big you're overweight is you know blows my mind mm. and it's too real so there's like L amanda lecount i think i'm saying her name correctly she's a plus size dancer and she's been on ellen and she talks about how she was told that she just didn't have the body for dance and she's like i love dance i feel most alive when i dance and she was just on america's got talent and like heidi klum buzzed her out like very quickly into her performance but then the other three judges voted her in and she went on her instagram was talking about how she thinks that he heidi singled her out because she because of what she looks like and she didn't really give her a chance to show her talent but amanda lecount is someone who i admire like i'm like such a fangirl of her because she's this woman who like wouldn't take no for an answer and like wasn't gonna let what she looked like and what society said about what she looked like hold her back and she's like on top of the world right now. And it's really cool to see. Um, and I'm hoping that it continues to change the narrative and, and allow more people access to what it is they want to do in this world. No, I completely agree. I mean, I, in, in general, I find the most joy in seeing other people, you know, happy, you know, and like if, if someone else's happiness is not hurting another person, then in my opinion, we should just be completely joyful for that person you know why are we putting our own limitations on someone else and so I remember talking to Dexter about that and just like hearing the success that he's had now and you know the music videos he's been in and the places he's gotten to dance like I couldn't imagine if he would have stopped as a little kid you know just because they told him he wasn't right for it and like that's what, I mean, that's, that's where our privilege comes in. You know, like I would have gone, I would have gone into that dance studio and they would have given me a shot 10 times out of 10 because I fit the mold that they're looking for. You know, and, and so I think acknowledging that then privilege makes like a world of difference when, you know, talking to people about this stuff, because it is easier to accept a lot of things when you're on the right side of privilege, you know, mm -hmm. it's easier to accept the worth when, when, other people don't question it when it's only you questioning. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, we're coming up on our time here. So I just want to ask you one last, one last little question. So you just mentioned music videos. 
Yes. And you were in one with Sam Smith, which I love him, by the way. I love him. <laughs> so tell us about your experience. Did you get to meet Sam and give him a hug? Like, how was that experience for you? I know you're from the Midwest like I am, and you're in LA, and you're in West Hollywood, and you're living this LA life. Now you're in a yeah. music video. What's the deal? So actually, so it was Sam Smith and Demi Lovato, and I was in the part with Demi Lovato. So Sam actually wasn't, wasn't on set when we were shooting, but because I'm a diver, they, look, they were looking for someone to do a, a pretty basic dive off one of the, one of the diving boards. But it, I mean, it was insane. I had never been on set. I had never seen all like the massive setups that they have for everything. Um, you know, I watched Demi Lovato growing up my entire life. So meeting her in person was like surreal and just standing next to her was kind of bizarre, but um, it was truly one of the coolest experiences I've had this far, like thus far in LA. I definitely, it, I mean, it was, it was weird to film cause it was like at midnight, you know, I, I was surprised by a lot of things and we had to wear like these pink corsets with heels and makeup. And it was the first time I'd ever done makeup and, um, you know, which is, which is a step for me because I just came out a year and a half ago. So to do a full face of makeup and to send that to my parents is like kind of scary I mean you know my dad it's like <laughs> so I mean it was all surreal I, I kind of got I got so lucky I actually got to do it with one of my best friends too who flew in from San Francisco to do it um but it was it was one of the coolest experiences I've had and hopefully I have a few more like that in the future yeah this pic. I have not seen this picture I need to go watch the music video but you need to send me a picture I'll send you the picture I'll send you it <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm loving that you're having such a good time in LA and that you're, you're experiencing so much success and, and cool experiences. I mean, I love LA. So, you know, I'm happy that you're loving it too. Yeah, no, I love it. I mean, there's just so many people here with different experiences. So it's been cool to like meet everyone in this kind of melting pot of, from all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So where can everybody find you if they want to connect with you or ask you questions? What's your Instagram handle? So my Instagram is at Joey underscore Cefeli. Um, and that's my handle across like Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. I don't really use anymore, but yeah, so I'm there on Instagram. If anybody wants to, you can reach out. I, I love answering questions about this stuff and about my own personal journey. It's really easy for me to write too, because I can like really collect my thoughts. <laughs> so if anybody has questions, feel free to reach out. Or if you just want to talk, I can tell you about my experience. If it helps anyone, um, I'm always down. I remember sharing one, one thing with you a while ago that I was just, because I mean, what you do is inspiring. And I just remember sharing you with that picture that was like, you know, it was a little candle and it said your problem. And then a gate around the candle and it said controlling your problem and owning it to help other people. And so, you know, if, if there's anybody out there that I can help or if anybody wants to just talk to me about that, I'm more than happy to. And I'm here for, for you. I love you, Kara. I love you, Joey. Thank so you for being on the podcast. And that is our show for today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and for listening. I hope you got a lot out of the episode and I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Sending you love. I hope you're well.